the main thing that the banks are looking at is not even at your credit score. The banks don't care about your credit score. What they're looking for is they're looking at your personal credit report and they're looking at borrow behavior. They want to see how good of a borrower you're at. That will determine if you're going to pay us back in time, right? If you've been paying on time for the last 24 months, guess what? I can safely predict that for the next 24 months in the future, you're going to keep making those on-time payments. So your past behaviors influence your approvals. Everybody want to get the bag, but y'all don't really know what it's going to take. Trying to figure out how to start now. Blue chills, let to show you the way. Because we're top finest and they're monetizing. And anything it takes to get in the state. We've been grinding all day, finding ways to get paid. Better hop on this wave because we're dropping blue gems. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Let's go. Another episode of Blue Gems Podcast with Eddie Garcia, the credit specialist. I don't even know what that means, but how about you give us a brief introduction about what you're up to, what you do, and how it can be advantageous to life and business. Absolutely. Nice to have to be here, you guys. Thank you for the invite. Again, my name is Eddie Garcia. been in the credit space for multiple years now. What I specialize is anything that revolves around credit, personal side, small business, and you know anything related about credit. I started many years ago. I was actually, unfortunately, to have bad credit. And I had to learn it myself. I hired a credit repair company. They were able to delete some items. Unfortunately, it, it wasn't everything that I needed to get done. Started helping my friends and family out uh, after I learned to fix it myself. And it all went from there. Started to get clients, just people referring me people. And then it turned out to be a point where uh, people were demanding my services. And so I was like, I shoot, I got it. I got to start this. I got to, I got to start helping people. And I never looked back ever since. Awesome. That's cool. So let's just say, hypothetically speaking, I find your Instagram. That's, that's where I actually found you. Let's say I found your Instagram and my credit is shot. Do I just reach out and say, Hey, you know, I'm trying to buy a house or I need a, you know, a car loan or, or whatnot. Can you help get some of these derogatory claims off of my credit? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, of course. So I get a lot of messages every single day from different walks of life. Obviously, there's some people that, hey, they just want to be able to buy a car to be able to go work to work. They're just trying to buy their dream home with their family. And to be honest with you, that's some of the most rewarding type of people to, to help out. Because when they hit me up, they're struggling. And then within a few months, I'm able to raise their credit score enough where they can finally qualify for whatever they've been trying to apply for. It's such a rewarding feeling. And this is why I do that. But then at the same time, I also get a bunch of clients who are business owners, real estate investors, entrepreneurs. And those are also another like of my favorite clients because it is so rewarding seeing them win. Like the the stories that they give me, like, man, I was able to leverage this credit to be able to uh, invest into my Airbnb business, uh, buy all the furniture. And now I'm able to, uh, you know, scale from there. And it's such a rewarding feeling as well. And then what's the difference between business and personal credit, right? We hear about <laughs> business credit all the time as real estate investors. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. So there is two different categories. 
categories uh, completely. So the first one is obviously everything on the personal side. There's bureaus that collect personal data. There's a lot of you know data companies, data furniture uh, that collect all this information about you on the personal side, and they keep records of that. And then on the business side, same thing. There's a lot of companies that just collect data. All the credit bureaus, they're not government agencies. They're they're private companies who just decided to be like, hey, let's collect public like people's data and sell it for a profit. So if you guys one day wanted to do that, we can create the Blue Gems credit <laughs> agency <laughs> and just start collecting data and start selling it. And there's a lot of them. Like we have the main three, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax, but there's also LexisNexis, ARS. There's so many companies out there. They're just collecting data and there's an entire side of that. And I can speak about that for hours, but for sake purposes, <laughs> it's basically different companies collecting data for personal or business use. And if you're an entrepreneur, how does this apply to you? Is that you want to be able to leverage your personal credit depending on where your business is. For there, Because on the business side, there's two types. There is small business and then there is for big businesses. Anyone making over like $50 million a year, that is corporate credit, okay? There, you don't need anyone to guarantee anything. There, your company is doing so well that the banks are looking at your entire company's financial data and they're going, okay, based on this, it's going to be like a month review process and they're going to be like, okay, you deserve a $15 million credit line and all the transactions are going through there. Versus small business, unfortunately, since it's a small business, the business owner has to be eligible for those credit products. So they'll take a look at the personal side, obviously, because they want to make sure that the business owner is a financially responsible person. So a lot of people hear a lot of stories about like, oh, getting credit as no PG, no personal guarantee. But the likelihood of a bank doing that on a small business is very, very, very low. Unless you go with some of these fintech companies that are just analyzing your entire bank accounts, they're like, they're digging in, trying to see how much credit they can qualify you for. And if so, most of them, you have to pay it back in 30 days. There's pros to cost to all, every single type of account and different type of a business credit, but it's just based on where your business is at right now and your personal credit at the same time. And then what are the main factors in determining a credit limit, right? So if I'm wanting to get business credit, what are they looking for as a business, you know, as a business owner as well? Okay, perfect. So that's actually a great question. So I'm a introduce probably the first gem right here. The the main thing that the banks are looking at is not even at your credit score. The banks don't care about your credit score, okay? They only take a look at your credit score after you get approved, okay? So after you get approved for the business credit card, the business line of credit, they're finally looking at the credit score to see if you what interest rate they're going to charge you. But for the approval process, they don't care what the credit score is. What they're looking for is they're looking at your personal credit report and they're looking at borrow behavior because they want to see, hey, how good of a borrower you're at. And that will determine if you're going to pay us back in time, right? If you've been paying on time for the last 24 months, guess what? I can safely predict that for the next 24 months in the future, you're going to keep making those on-time payments. So your past behaviors influence your approvals. If you want to get high credit limits, you need to work on your personal side first, be able to expand those credit limits to be bigger. That way, when you apply for a business credit, you'll get big credit lines. Does that make sense? Because then the banks will see, hey, if you've been able to manage accounts in the fifteen dollars to $25,000 range, then I'm going to give you accounts on the business side that are fifteen dollars to $25,000 range. But if you only manage a credit card that's a Macy's credit card for $300, bucks, i am not 
not going to approve you for shit. <laughs> you know, you have no experience. Right. That's pretty much what they're looking at when we're talking about what credit limits are going to give you. It's just borrow behaviors. There's like about 150 borrow behaviors that the banks can take a look at and determine what they can just choose any 150 borrow behaviors. FICO has about 40 of them. So FICO analyzes all your credit report and they see, okay, these are all the borrow behaviors that we want to take a look at. And based on these, we're, we have an, an analytical system, the FICO software, that is going to grab your credit reports, analyze it based, based on those borrow behaviors and spit out a number. Well, the banks are doing the same thing, but they have a list of 140. They can pick and choose which ones they want to use for certain products because obviously the application process is different for an auto loan versus a mortgage versus a credit card because they're different credit products. We've talked about credit limit. We've talked about you know ways to improve your credit. Let's talk about from an investor standpoint, like myself. Let's say that um, you know my credit is intact. I have good credit, and I'm looking to apply for another credit card, mainly for travel, for instance. Do you have any recommendations of which cards are the best in terms of travel rewards and perks and lounges and stuff like that? Because that's that's the fun stuff, right? Yes, that's the fun stuff. So actually, I don't even consider myself a travel hacker, even though in the last three, four months, I have not... The last four months, I have not been at home. The last three months, I was in the other side of the world. Um, the last month, I was in the States, but I was in Vegas like four times, New York. I've been traveling all over. So I do have experience with this, but the best two banks or the two best financial institutions to go get credit with is definitely Chase is number one. And the second one for travel purposes is American Express. Those two, getting the Amex uh, Planum, uh, I would recommend they get it on the business side, the Amex Business Planum, because it doesn't have a credit limit. So it won't really help out on the credit side, on the personal side. And then on the personal side for Chase, the best ones to get is the Chase Ultimate Freedom Unlimited and then the Chase Sapphire, either the preferred or the reserve, depending on what would be best for the client. The preferred is a $99 annual fee. The reserve is like 500 something. It depends on the person if they're going to be traveling a lot like right now then just get the reserve. But if they're going to wait a bit, if they're more like, a, hey, I go to work, I have a W-2 job and I'm just got to go pay groceries, then just get the Sapphire and then, you know, you're going to be able to gain rewards and be able to travel, you know, once or twice a year. But if you're a business owner, get the reserve, you're going to be traveling a lot. If you're a real estate investor, you got to go see your properties out of state, then definitely get the reserve. And then in terms of borrowing behaviors, right? So what are, what are some things that I could be doing tomorrow, the week after to make sure that in the bank's eyes, you know, I'm performing the ideal characteristics of, you know, the quote unquote bar. Of course. So first of all, I'll recommend just getting a call with me because I would be able to just take a look at their entire credit report and be like this, 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 and this and that, right? You got to fix this. So however, just to name some off the bat, like obviously the first thing that is like, make sure that you guys are paying on time. That is the biggest thing that's going to hurt your fundability chances or your credit score as well. Obviously, I've, if you've ever heard like a late payment can cost anywhere from 60 points to 100 and something points right off the bat. And what happens is that if you do get a late payment, it's not the end of the world. It does suck. But again, you got to establish bar behaviors. So as soon as you get the late payment, boom, all of a sudden, you don't, you no longer have a behavior because now you broke that track record of making on-time payments. There, the banks have something called the 24-month look-back period where they're going to be looking at the last 24 months and they see what is 
his behavior right now? What behaviors does he have right now? And one of those is obviously making on-time payments. That's probably the most important one. So they're going to say, okay, so let's say I got a late payment today, right? Fortunately, boom, my borrow behaviors no longer exist for making on-time payments. What I can do is start establishing on-time payments moving forward. Once I hit the three-month mark, that is three consecutive on-time payments. Now that is a human behavior now. Now that has been established as a borrow behavior. And now they can safely predict in the future, they can extend me for another three months. If I keep at it, do it for six months, they can extend this six months into the future. He's going to keep making this same behavior all the way up to 24 months. That's why after 24 months, a late payment starts affecting you less and less. It can still affect you, but that's one of them. The other one is utilization. Basically, how much of your credit cards you're using or they're reporting on the credit report. And when you have like super high utilization for the last 24 months, right? So let's say I didn't know anything about credit. I got some credit cards, I maxed them out. I've been having them maxed out for like months. Well, let's say I learn, I take my course, you know, I, I learn uh, about credit and they tell me, oh, hey, having your credit cards maxed out is horrible. Don't do that. Pay them at a certain interval. And then now I start reporting great utilization. The first month hits, I report great utilization and then I apply for credit. I can still get denied because they're going to take a look at the last 24 months and they're going to be like, buddy, you've had maxed out credit cards for the last 24 months. I can't just trust you. I don't know whether you got educated and now you know how to manage your credit. I don't know if you got lucky, you won the lottery. I don't know what's going on. Not until I have a consecutive track record of keeping my credit cards low for a certain amount of time, that would be three months. Then they can start trusting me again. Because if I kept my utilization low for the next for the last three months, again, Again, they can safely predict that I'm going to keep making that same borrow behavior for the next three months. It's again, just starting establishing borrow behaviors now is the best thing to do. So late payments, if people have issues with late payments, auto pay on. I do this for all my credit cards. I have way too many credit cards to handle by myself. <laughs> like I make sure that they're all on auto pay. And guess what? When I update my bank accounts, I freak out. I go and update all my auto pay um, to make sure that I don't get like, oh, your auto your account was deactivated and now it didn't go through and then I get a late payment. Don't want that. The next thing is writing everything down on your credit report on a spreadsheet. Keep track of this stuff, right? You're able to see when the statement closes, when your, your due date is, write that down, put it on a calendar. Hey, on this day, I got to pay this credit card, right? I got to bring this the balance down at this point. And if you get a call with me, I can, again, we can go down and deep dive exactly what days and how much you need to pay. There's just like a method to everything. It's like a certain amount that you got to pay at a certain day, depending on which credit cards report. So yeah, love it. Gems for days. And then let's talk a bit about the interest rate, right? So as investors, we care a lot about the cost of financing. So what rates are you typically seeing? And then is there any intro APR periods to get more attractive financing for either a personal borrower or a business borrower? Yes, absolutely. So this is what I recommend. So for APR interest rates, obviously the economy affects this. As you guys can see, we're heading into recession. I don't know we are in a recession. But when that happens, when the economy starts to tighten up, guess what? The banks also start to tighten up. They start bringing the interest rates. The criteria for you to become fundable, the criteria for you to get approved becomes tighter. You just got to be a better borrower. You have to exceed better borrower behaviors. So yeah, so interest rates do go up and also depending on the credit product and auto versus an auto loan versus credit cards. Credit cards are considered more high risk versus a auto loan. So guess what? The auto loan is going to have better interest rates, right? Because the auto loan is collateralized with a car and a credit
credit card, you can't, they can't just take your credit card away and then sell it and, and make money back from it, right? So it's unsecured credit. So guess what? They're going to have higher interest rate. Now, if you are a business owner, you definitely want to take advantage on the business credit cards that offer 0% interest for the last, you know, next 24 months, 12 months, whatever promotions they have. And a lot of banks have this. Why? Because business credit, a lot of banks understand, hey, business owners have a lot of business expenses. To start, we might as well attract them with this credit product to start banking with us. If so, that would give you the 0% interest for the next whatever months that credit card offers. And it's going to be on the business side. So that utilization is not going to report on your personal. So you can go ahead and keep your personal credit report nice and clean, no utilization on it, and just keep amassing amounts of credit on the business side. And you know, having your credit cards used on the business side, that way they don't affect uh, your chance of getting approved for more. Because here's the problem. If I get approved for a $10,000 credit card on the personal side and I max it out on an investment, on a real estate investment, guess what? And if you come back to me and be like, hey, Eddie, I need more money. Can you give me another 10000 I cannot apply for credit anymore because my credit utilization is, is maxed out. They're not going to approve me for more credit. But if I do that on the business side, I get a business credit card. It's a $10,000 business credit card. I max it out. I give it to you. Hey, invest this on real estate. And you come back, hey, I need more money. I can then, since my personal side is not touched, I can go ahead and apply for more business credit using my personal credit, give that money to you, and you can just keep going and going and going like that. However, my only caveat for business owners to, to understand this is that, again, you want to make sure that you don't freak out the banks because a lot of people do this. They go and apply for a business credit card. Let's say they get $10,000. And then the first thing they do is completely max it out and keep it maxed out for there for the real estate investment term. So I don't know if it's going to be three months, six months, or closer to the year. That is going to freak out the banks. They can close down your account. So you got to go gradually. You got to build a relationship with the bank. You got to build trust. What you need to do is get the credit card, you know, bring it up to 10%, pay it down. You know, bring it up to 10%, pay down. You can do that, you know, and then next month you can do like up to 20, 30. And then once you have like one or two months usage, you can go ahead and then bring out as much money as possible. Don't max it out because you don't want issues. Probably bring it up to like 80%, 90%. And if you're going to invest it into a real estate property, into a deal, and now you have like, let's say the, the credit card is a 12 months, 0% interest. Now you have about uh, 10 months still. Still good for uh, probably an Airbnb investment or something like that. And now you're not freaking out the banks as much. You're still going to get sent to the risk department because at 40% utilization, the risk department gets notified. Hey, his credit utilization is a little high. What you can do as a real estate investor, and probably you're not going to hear this anywhere else, is that you want great communication with the bank, right? If you lend me money, you and I are partners. I want to communicate with you on how I'm managing your money, right? That way you don't freak out on me, right? <laughs> so I want to go ahead and call you up and be like, hey, buddy, so this is what's going on. I, you know, I've had your credit, this credit card for a few months now and a great opportunity for my business to expand just came up. I want to go and I allocated these resources to do X, Y, and C. I should be paying you back in this method. If you talk to the risk department like that, they're at least going to be able to annotate your account. And they're going to be like, okay, cool. This guy's not an idiot. <laughs> this guy didn't just go max this credit card out for no purpose. And now you're still in the risk department, but now they're able to see that. And now they're they're probably not going to again, they close your account down or demand you to pay it in full, right? So that way, again, communication with the banks. Again, not that many people do that at all. So if, again, have constant communication, be able to go ahead and tell them what you're planning on doing to show them like you're not an idiot, that you know how to manage credit and you're using it as a savvy investment into your business. Love that. 
So offline, you, you mentioned that you have a lot of Airbnb short-term rental clients. Um, can you talk about what they're usually reaching out to you for and how you're able to help and assist them? Yeah, absolutely. So my most recent one client was uh, he needed credit repair. So I mean, you have no idea. Well, it might not be surprising, but unfortunately, a lot of business owners have bad credit. The reason why is because we're very uh, entrepreneurial. We throw money at everything when we try to, <laughs> uh, you know, get our hands as many things as possible. Absolutely. When we're first starting out. A lot of business ventures don't go as planned. And guess what? Now you have bad credit. It is not surprising to find a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, business owners with horrible credit. And that that is okay. Like I was at that there at one point, everybody was there at one point and it's totally okay. So that's probably what they're hitting me up first and foremost. And then they find out, yeah, you can also get business credit. What? You can get a quarter million dollars in business credit. And absolutely. Right. So then they start the business credit process where I'm helping them, educating them and doing a lot of stuff for them, helping them establish their LLCs correctly. A lot of people don't know how to establish their corporations or structure the corporations for business credit purposes. So I'm pretty sure as a real estate investor, uh, if the, there's you guys, you guys have real estate investors here. Everybody knows how to structure their LLCs for liability protection, tax purposes, anonymity. Right? There's different ways to structure your businesses depending on what you desire. If you want protection, liability protection, there's a way to certain structure that. You know, get certain LLCs in different states and ones that don't report your own that you're the owner and stuff like that. Right? Um, well, guess what? There's a way to structure your corporations to be as much as fundable as possible. Love that. Let's expand on that just a little bit. Absolutely. This will definitely be something that everybody would want to write down and how to structure this. I've been taking notes this whole time, not going to lie. <laughs> Perfect. So here's the deal. I probably never, I've only heard one person ever mention this ever before, and this is genius play. The safest industry to be in, because there are many industries, right? Uh, have you ever heard of an NAICS code? Yep. Okay, perfect. So every single business has an NAICS code and a lot of them, a lot of them, uh, the banks don't like messing with them because it's high risk. Anything with cash, high risk. So a jewelry store, restaurants, ATM businesses, extremely high risk. You can be laundering money. You can be, you can get robbed on the way to the make a deposit. They, you, you can get robbed at the store. So too many risks, way too many risks. And so the safest form of business that exists is a business consultation business. Why? Because all you're doing is doing a business-to-business -business transaction where you are educating the person on how to manage their company, but you're not doing the risky thing itself. Like for example, if you're a restaurant consultant and you go to restaurants and you consult them on how to become better, that is extremely fundable. That is extremely safe for the banks. But if you sure. were to do a restaurant itself, then that is high risk. Then <laughs> the chances of getting as much money is, is a lot less. So that NICS code is the best. So first of all, get a company, create your company, an LLC, that is a business consultation business. Okay. You're then going to probably going to want that company, the LLC or corporation to be older than two to three years. Why? Because after two to three years that has been established, the banks start seeing you more favorably. Why? Because they can tell, hey, this company has been established for X amount of years. We can trust them more. So we're going to trust them with all our credit products. So for some banks, don't even lend to people who have an LLC that's less than two years. And especially for business lines of credit, a lot of banks, 99% of the banks will not extend your business line of credit unless your company is older than two years. If you're not at that point, you can easily buy a company. You can easily buy 
by corporation LLC that has never been touched before. It was formed because a lot of, for example, we're entrepreneurs. We start a lot of business ventures. We get crazy <laughs> ideas and we're like, oh, I'm going to start this new business. I open the LLC up and then I get busy. I never do it. And then at that point, I, it hasn't been touched for the last two, three years. I can then, if you come up to me and like, hey, buddy, I see that you have this LLC. Are you using it? Not using it? I haven't touched it in two years. Perfect. Can I buy it? Can I just give you a few hundred bucks? Can I can I pay you to, to get that? Absolutely. Here it is. I don't, I don't use it. Yep. So you can buy an LLC that has not even been touched. And it's so much easier than buying actual companies that has not done a single tax return. You don't need to go and get an attorney to like figure out if there's any debts out. It has never been touched before, so it's perfect. So that's what I would recommend. If you don't have an LLC, go ahead and buy one to get the most approval odds, right? Next thing is that you want to be completely bank-facing and transparent toward the banks. What I mean by that? There's a lot of states that don't disclose the ownership. So if you want to get the most amount of funding or you want to be looking as trustworthy as possible, right? The bank's getting a lot of fraudulent applications on a daily basis. You want to come in and look as promising as like, hey, I'm the best option out here. You're going to lend to me and you're never going to look back, right? So think about it. Do you want an LLC that in Wyoming that does not disclose the owner of the business or do you want an LLC somewhere else where they do disclose the name of the business? What do you think the bank is going to want to see? Obviously, the one that discloses who the owner is because all of a sudden they can just do a quick, a, a quick Secretary of State search and be like, yep, absolutely. Eddie is the owner of this sure. LLC. There's no doubt in my mind. It's on the Secretary of State now, right? Perfect. So that gets rid of some fear for the banks. And then here's the golden part. A lot of people put things under their LLC. They do it like a holding company, right? Where the holding company owns all their LLCs and it owns real estate, owns all this. Think about it. If you're the bank and you want to underwrite a business line of credit or business credit card, the less stuff on the application, the better it is, the simpler it is, right? If you're the underwriter and then you find out that this LLC owns 15 other LLCs with 25 different assets, you're going to be like, ah, shoot, I don't want to do this. Uh, I'm going to have to get business credit reports for all these LLCs, got to figure out what they do, how much revenue they're coming in. Like now the underwriting process just got extended like crazy. So let's keep it simple. Nothing uh, owning anything. Why? Because it's just going to make the process so much simpler. And then last Lastly, the only thing that we do like about a holding LLC is that there's uh, all these forms of income coming in, right? Because every single LLC is pouring money into the holding company, right? So that we do like. So how do we do that without owning anything? This is how we do it. You're going to make your LLC, the one that you're going to get funding with, you're going to make it the uh, two to three year LLC business consultation business LLC to be a separate entity. And what you're going to make it do is be all your other LLCs are going to be clients of that main LLC. Mm. And then every single month, you're going to charge every single one of your clients business consultation fees and you're going to send the money over. So for example, let's say you have multiple businesses. You have a real estate investment business. You have a grocery store. You have a tour business when you're renting out cars and you have multiple other businesses sure. and they're all making X amount of money. So let's say that you have a real estate investment business and it made $100,000 this month. If you walk to the banks and you tell them, hey, I'm a real estate investor. I just made $100,000 this month. What's up? Can you give me credit? They're going to be like, hey, congratulations, sir. Now get out of here. (laughs) They're not going to give you credit. But all of a sudden, if you move that money and let's say your business consultation business said, hey, you made 100K this month. Perfect. We're going to charge you 100K for business consultation fees for this month. Perfect. You're going to send an invoice to your real estate business. They're going to pay the 100K. Guess what? Now your business consultation business made 100K in business consultation fees. You walk to the bank, you tell them that you're highly fundable. Oh, gyms for days. (laughs) 
that would be the, the smartest way to go about it. And that way, when you introduce yourself to banks, hey, I'm a business consultant. I have many clients that use my services and all together, right? All your business together are making this much money and it's all getting funneled into your business consultation fee company. We are thrilled to announce Blue Gems Management. After building out 24 short-term rental properties of our own, we're now helping other investors buy their time back. With over 300 five-star reviews, we really understand the importance of guest experience. If you're interested in making short-term rentals passive, click the link in the show notes below and someone from our team will contact you soon. Now back to the show. If we have some people in the audience or listeners that are just starting off in their credit journey and they want to establish 250K of business credit to leverage, what would be the first step that you would give them? The first thing is taking a look at what's on your personal credit report. If you have never touched a single credit product, most likely you don't have one. So starting that today is the most important thing. Every single day counts. The best time to start is as soon as you turn 18. So as soon as my daughter turns 18, the first thing that we're going to do, credit. Again, the very first thing is one of the gems I want everybody to take here is that you want relationships with these financial institutions. You want to come off as a partner. There's two ways the banks are going to make money from you. Either they're going to see you as a consumer that's going to get that Walmart's uh, credit card, that Macy's credit card, that Victoria's Secret credit card, and we're just going to charge you super high interest and we're going to make our money that way. Or you know how to leverage credit, you're educated, and we're going to make you our business partner and we're going to extend you credit. That way you can leverage it, grow your business, and you're going to bring back us money, right? That's how the two ways that banks make money from people. If we're all real estate investors here and we're all entrepreneurs here, then we definitely want to be on the partner side, right? So guess what? First, establishing a relationship with a financial institution will be the best bet. And the four that I highly recommend is, first of all, Chase, okay? That one, by far, you absolutely must do. If you want to do the travel stuff, if you want to do the investing stuff, if you just want great credit in general, Chase, by far, is the number one financial institution or bank institution in America. It's backed by trillions of dollars. So the next, the top four are this, but they're all backed by trillions of dollars. So it's Chase, Bank of America, Citibank, and Wells Fargo. If you're going to start a relationship with any bank, it should be one of those four, period. And I highly recommend Chase. Again, build a relationship with Chase. If you guys have kids at 13, 16 years old, you guys can open a bank account, a checking bank account, right? For them, right? You can go ahead and start building that relationship for them with the banks. Because guess what? When you give the bank money in a checking account, you're loaning money to it. If you loan money to me, right? And you give me money to expand my business. And then you come up to me and be like, hey, man, I've been loaning money out to you for multiple months now, over a certain years now. I would like to get some credit extended to me. Absolutely. Right. Why Makes not? Sense. Like you've been amazing to me for the last X amount of years or X amount of months. Absolutely. So the first thing is establishing relationship with great financial institutions like those top four. Open a bank account, start building a relationship with, get in a relationship with the, go to in-branch, talk to the business manager, right? And then tell them, these are my goals. I don't have personal credit, but I would love to start from you, with you guys. Why would I say that? Because again, you don't want to apply for any consumer products. You don't want to be like, hey, the best thing to do is get a, approved for a, a Macy's credit card, a Victoria's Secret credit card, because those are easy to get approved of. No, no, no. You want to get approved with high financial institutions because if then Chase then gives you a $10,000 personal credit card, 
guess what? All the other banks that see your credit report in the future, they're going to see like, man, if Chase is trusting this guy with that much money and Chase is the number one financial bank in, the, in America, then I want to steal that client from Chase. I want to give him money too, right? But if you see a $10,000 Victoria's Secret credit card, they're going to be like, this guy, no, I'm not going to give this guy any money, right? So again, start building the relationship as early as possible and start talking to them. Hey, what credit product do you guys have that I can start off with, right? And then based on the application that the banker applies for you, because the credit applications are different from if you apply online than with a banker because a banker has a different section, a, a specific section where can, they can write and be like, hey, this client has been with us for X amount of years. He's young. He's start, trying to start his credit. And then he can explain it to the underwriter like, hey, don't deny him because he doesn't have credit. Like he's a good client of ours. He sounds very educated and he knows what he's doing, but he wants to start, right? So again, if you start leveraging those relationships, then you start like that and just get credit on the personal side with fi high financial institutions institutions like those top four and don't go back. And once you're ready after two, three years, because it takes time for your personal side to get very well established, man, on the business side, when you're ready, you're good to go. Love that. Love that. And then uh, this is an interesting question. So what does a day in life look like for Eddie? Oh, man, this is that's, this is a, a very funny. Um, but first of all, uh, I do not condone this. So don't, 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 <laughs> don't, don't listen to me. But this is what I do. I hardly ever sleep. I start my day off by the night before uh, planning everything. Everything in my life is planned. When I want to uh, spend time with a friend, it's on my calendar. If I want to go even spend time with my family, it's on the calendar because I want to be able to be responsible enough because I'm, I'm a single father. You know, I'm trying to become better every single day. And I, I'm like, I want to allocate time for the people that I love. So absolutely time blocking. So if, if you anybody out there wants to be highly efficient, time blocking, time block everything, that. your tasks, your work, your meetings, your lunch, everything that you do, time block it. Your gym recently, since I've been sick, <laughs> I've been slipping in a little bit every single day. It's just on calls. First, a morning meeting with my team, getting them hype up, like trying to get them motivated <laughs> uh, to tackle on the day. And then I get on meetings back to back, back to back. And then again, another meeting at the end. And then throughout the week, I also have, if, if anybody else is listening, again, everybody listening, no matter how good you become at your certain thing, you always need a mentor. So guess what? Every single year, every single time I'm investing into other mentors, into other people in the credit space. I want to become better. I want to become the best. I'm constantly investing into my business and I'm constantly investing to, into my craft. You know, I don't think I know everything about credit, but trust me, no one is going to like I, after like 30 years, like no one's going to be better than me. <laughs> pretty, pretty damn sure that I'm going to be the most knowledgeable person out about credit because I'm going to take everybody as, as a mentor and as a student. You know, again, it's just back to back uh, meetings. And then I try to allocate as much time to, uh, for my daughter and my family, and, and then that's pretty much it. And then I try to sleep as <laughs> little as possible. I tell this, I tell this to everybody. If I had one superpower, it would be to not need sleep. I think it's just a waste of time. <laughs> it's like <laughs> one third of her life, but I, I'm actually making the conscious effort to become better every single day. And unfortunately, that is getting my sleep right. So I've been buying devices, things, alarm clocks to make sure that I go to sleep at a certain hour and wake up at a certain out, but man, it's just super difficult for me. <laughs> and then guess what? The super fun thing about being a business owner and being able to work from a computer is that I get to travel whenever I want. To be honest with you, I get people that just hit me up and like, yo, I'm going to have this over here in this city when I come. Easy. <laughs> the flights are free for me. I get to travel easily. I can just get on an airplane. Actually, I don't even need a car, you guys. I, I Whenever I want to travel, I just jump on an airplane. It's super amazing. But yeah, so that's daily life for me. 
If you could leave the listeners with one last blue gem, it could be about life, it could be about business, it could be about credit, it could be about anything. What would you want to leave them? I'm going to give a shout out to my mentor, Sean, Sean Adams. If you guys want to follow him, he's amazing. On Instagram, Sean Adams, he told me this. I don't think he came up with this. He probably heard it from somebody else. He asked me, what is the only one thing that it takes in order to be successful in anything, right? Whether you want to start a business, whether you want to be an entrepreneur, whether you want to go and talk to that pretty girl. You want to be fly with the girls, right? You, whatever you want to do in life, whatever you want to do in life, it only takes one thing. And that one thing is courage, you guys. All it takes is courage. If you want to start a business, guess what? It doesn't need money. You don't need money. You don't need knowledge. All you need is to have the courage enough to say, I believe in myself. I can do this. I don't know all the answers right now, but I'll figure them out. If you want to go talk to that pretty girl, it doesn't matter how good looking you are, no matter how good you are on your pickup lines, no matter what you've done to prepare, if you bought the best clothes, but if you don't have the courage to go up to her and talk to her, you're not going to get her number. Again, all it takes, you guys, is courage to be successful in whatever you guys want to do. Just believe in yourself. Take the step. I've taken so many steps when I was afraid. I said yes to things that I had no freaking idea how to do. But that was the time when I grew the most, when I became the most successful and I started earning the most amount of money. Love that, man. Love that answer. And then uh, where can people find you? Absolutely. The best place that someone can find me is online on Instagram. It's Eddie R. Garcia 23 on Instagram. I can plug in my phone number. I really don't care. <laughs> I will give out my personal phone number out there. I love doing business. I love uh, helping people out. If anybody wants to shoot me a text message or give me a call, it's 619-259-3801. Don't abuse it. <laughs> uh, it's my personal cell phone. Just send me a text message. Hey, this is so-and-so. I heard you on Blue Gems podcast. I would love to connect with as many people as possible. I am quite busy. As you guys can see, back-to-back meetings all the time. And I have over 500 clients probably at this point. But yeah, so be patient. But message me on Instagram. I have a team and I have myself that are on Instagram constantly. So again, it's Eddie R. Garcia 23 um, for, for my Instagram. Awesome, brother. What an episode, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. If you're interested in scaling your short term rental portfolio and networking with like minded individuals, we host a short term rental meetup once a month in downtown Orlando. Click our link below in the show notes to register. See you at the next one. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems.